Mean Old Lion Media and Sunseeker TV, in association with Carl Anthony Payne Entertainment, present Black Arm of the Law. Welcome Black, everybody. Welcome Black to another episode of Black Arm of the Law. Black as always, Black as ever. Black AF. Black like I never left. Okay. I'm your host, the one and only Carl Anthony Payne. Today's guest comes to us by way of North Carolina right now. The current chief of police in uh, East Spencer. East Spencer. Now, where are you from originally? Uh, I was born in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but I was raised in Charlotte. Harrisburg. I've been through there. Yeah, I've been through there. That's a different kind of place, Harrisburg. Okay. I want to go back. No, 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 no. no I, I go through very quickly. I'm like, right. hey, you got my check? All right, let's go. <laughs> Keep it moving. What was your first experience with law enforcement coming up? So what was your first memory of law enforcement? Was it on television? Was it in person? You know, what, what was what was your first experience? I can't remember exactly what it was, but I know it was two different times where I was watching Chips and then I was watching 21 Jump Street. And I told mm-hmm. myself, I'm going to do both of those. I'm going to be a cop on a motorcycle and I'm going to be a cop that comes to, comes to work in street clothes and be a police. Because I always wanted to be a police officer, but I, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I was out at, you know, my in elementary school, I was given the hall monitor job. And, you know, they give you that orange sash with the little plastic badge on it. I was out there in the middle of winter, no coat on, with my orange sash and my badge on so everybody could see I was the hall monitor. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Where's your pass? Right. Where's your pass? Right. That was oh, me. You were, you were that guy? I was, oh I was eight up, man. I was eight. I always we, wanted to be listen, a cop. Listen, and we would have tortured you in school. Oh, yeah. We would have. We would have yeah, I was too big for that. Life. I was too but big for that. Listen. Listen. <laughs> let me tell you something. We, I'm talking about just the, the the seriousness of how you took your job. We would have made you stress right. the entire time. I'd have been like, hey, hey, let's go mess with us. Uh, let's go mess with Ben John today. <laughs> Yeah, hey, act like you ain't got no pass though. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. And then it be was. Like, See, <laughs> right, right. So obviously, mentioning these shows, I usually do it at the end of the show, but we we into it now. So, what was your favorite show? Favorite top show? Probably Chips. Were you a Poncherelli? I was a Poncherelli. I was a Poncherelli. I was right all about Poncherelli, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was a Ponch. Yeah, that was my man. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, Chips was definitely that show. Definitely made me want to ride a bike for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, and now I have tons of them just like that. So, yeah. Right. Um, all right. So, grew up in Harrisburg. Um, it's, that's not a big town either. That's not Well, actually, I grew up in Charlotte. Oh, so I, you, I, you grew I, up in Charlotte? Yeah, I, I moved to Charlotte when I was uh, nine. So, okay. I grew okay. up in Charlotte, yeah. All right, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at, behind right. that prepositional phrase. Okay, bam, you're in Charlotte. Charlotte is a is a up-and-coming city right now. They, they're right. doing a lot of big things in Charlotte. Right. Now, how far is Spencer from Charlotte? It's about 35 minutes, 35 about minutes 35. north on 85. Okay, all right, so it's not too far then. So what led you to becoming a police officer or getting into law enforcement? Was it a, a specific incident? Did something good or bad happen? What encouraged you? What enticed you? What made you make the choice? I can't. I don't know. I, I, I just I all I do remember is saying I wanted to be a police officer since I can remember. And once I saw those shows, that's what I wanted to do as a police officer. But I don't know what it was that made me want to be a, a police. Officer. I, I don't I have no idea. And, you know, it's funny because I have a twin brother and mm. I said I wanted to be a police officer. And he's always said when we were kids, he wanted to be like Biggie. Biggie Smalls. Yeah. Wow. Yep. 
So, yep. You know, that's a that's a show. That's a show. Twins on opposite sides of the law. Ooh, and, and, and 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 that's how it is. <laughs> that is a show. Hey, hey, bro, don't make me come get you, man. Hey, look, listen. I'm a police officer, and and I'm gonna tell you right now, we both lived our dreams. Okay, I'm just saying that. That's that. Yes, that's it is. That's beautiful. Right. I'm just gonna say that's beautiful, man. When you right. live your dream, it's a beautiful thing. It is. You know, it whatever is. it is. Right. You know. I used to be told if you're gonna be a uh, if you're gonna be a f up, be the best f up that you can be. Be That's be, right. the, be the greatest f up. Right. So always do what you want to do. Well, that's good, man. That's good. What was it like growing up with a twin? Man, it was. He was. I mean, you know, you have the good twin and the bad twin, and I was the bad twin. I just hit it a lot. I was I was able to you know blame it on my my brother. And like all cops, look at you. <laughs> right, right. Like all cops. You're you know all what I say same. about cops, though, man? And my whole saying the same. Is, hey, look, it, a cop is a person that never got caught. That's all it is. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all it comes down to, man. <laughs> all right, brother. Well, look, man. Um, so you don't know specifically what it was, but you, you, you followed through. You followed mm-hmm. through. Now, Tell me a little bit about that journey. You started where, you know, walk us through it. Walk us through. So uh, I started in 2005 as a deputy uh, for Iredell County Sheriff's Office. I worked there. I worked in the cops unit. Uh, I did motor patrol on a motorcycle. I did that for four years. Um, After doing my uniformed uh, for about six or seven years, I went to narcotics. I was a detective sergeant in a narcotics unit. How long were you in the narcotics unit? I was in narcotics there for about two and a half, three years. And then I went with a state agency that it was in narcotics. So I did that for another seven years, six or seven years. And um, I was, I, I did that. And then after that, I went to a regular uniformed officer. Uh, I was forced out of that department and I went to a regular department as a regular patrol officer. And now I did that for about a year and a half. And now I'm, the, I'm a chief for a regular police department. So let me see if I understand or heard you correctly. You said forced out. I was forced out. Okay. So let's, let's, we, we can't just skip through that. No, we we're not. Just, That's why I said. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, we can't just brush past. I was forced out. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? Let, let the people know. Let so me know. at this department, I was the second in command assistant chief unofficial assistant chief. They hadn't given me my, my, uh, my uh, promotion yet. I had a subordinate who I was over uh, that was, that was always wanting to use derogatory language, inward this, inward that, but he was always masking it because he's, he was telling a story about what somebody else said. I approached him a couple of times and I said, Hey, you don't have to say that word. Just, you, you know, you can say inward. You don't have to say that. And he just kept on, went to the chief. Chief wouldn't do anything about it to stop him. So I went over the chief's head uh, to the administrator. Was the chief white or black? The chief was white. And the guy that was saying it was the chief's best friend. You said the chief was white. Yes, both were white. Mm-hmm. Chief and both of them were best friends. They went hunting together and all that stuff. So I bet they did. Yeah. So after that happened, things just went for a turn, man. That was my first time getting a bad yearly review. That was my first time getting a bad uh, vehicle inspection out of seven years. That was my first time. And then the ultimate came when they said I was lying on my time sheets and I was stealing time. They tried to get me to quit. I said, no, so he's lying. Uh, I'm not stealing time. Uh, they, they had the SBI state Bureau of investigations come in and do an investigation. And ultimately it got me two felonies. 
initially they tried to they tried to charge me with 19 felonies uh, because they said in a 12 month period I stole 34 hours. What were the charges? Obtaining property by false pretense. And what was the property that you were obtaining? They were saying I was lying on my timesheet. Yeah, they said that the time that I was putting down on my timesheet, I wasn't actually working, which we were salaried employees and we weren't getting overtime. So it went from there and uh, I had to fight that all through COVID and all that stuff. Uh, and it was it was a battle, but I came out on top. So, so why would they come up with something to charge you with that they, they can't prove? It's true. Like, so, so what was the result? What's the result of it? What, what happened? Well, they, the, the, ultimately the DA had to drop the charges because they couldn't get an indictment because I had so much of my own notes, emails and all that stuff showing that he was lying. That's the only thing that saved me because on paper, we, we didn't get overtime. So on paper, you just made a generic timesheet of eight 30 to five, regardless if you work night shift, day shift, you got called out, whatever. They didn't give overtime. So we just did a generic timesheet, eight to five, and, and it was the 40 hours. That was it. We always worked over. But I had emails. I had citations showing that I was issuing citations four hours after I clocked out. I, ha I mean, I had so much other stuff showing that we were out working. I had emails, me sending him emails saying that, hey, I worked over this day. I'm going to go ahead and take off this day. But I still put on my timesheet I was there because I was I was getting compensated for my comp time. It was basically comp time. And um, right. after they saw that, they couldn't they, they presented it and the, they wouldn't they couldn't get an indictment on me. So um, they had to drop the charges. And after all of that, all they just gave you was a big fat apology. Well, it's not over with yet. I'm still going through litigation, so I can't go into ultimate details of that exactly right. what happened. I'm, there's a right, lot of right, stuff right. I'm leaving out, but I'm still going through litigation. And hopefully it's going to its final stages so I can so well, I can tell the full story. Well, brother, I can't wait and I wish you luck, you know, right. um, Thank you. you know, and, and as I've always told my sons and anyone that I've ever worked with, always keep a paper trail. Always. Always keep receipts, as always. the women would say. I got receipts. Well, right. keep them. Keep right. them. Keep the receipts, because that's the only way you can be able to prove, uh, you know, or have something to back up, because everybody can say what they want to say. But. Receipts don't lie. And I think that's the only thing that really saved me when it came down to it, because if I wouldn't have had those receipts on paper, it did look like I was I was putting down time that I wasn't working, you know, but that's just how everybody did it. Everybody did it. And, no, and, and that's one of the main things that bothered me with the investigation. When I was telling them everybody was doing it, they refused to look at everybody else. They just looked at me and their explanation was, well, they're only saying you're the one that doing it and didn't have approval. Well, did, did anybody, any of your other fellow officers step up to speak on your or help you on your behalf? Or I was I was the only black officer there. Yeah. Well, then there's that. Right. Then there's that. Right. Hey, hey, Chip, Ryder, Tom, you guys going to say anything? Charles. Charles. No, nobody. Ask him. I was at your wedding. <laughs> Nothing, huh? All right. Nope. I got it. Crickets. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You were in a good old boy town. They pulled it. They they were trying to say I was still I stole money from a dope boy. They, they I mean, they they accused me of multiple. Yes, they accused me. Of, they accused me of stealing money from a dope boy. And what it was, I, I confiscated about seven thousand somewhere around there from a, from a, a drug dealer. They called him because I had already been fired. The case was going to be dismissed because I had been fired. I couldn't come to court and all that stuff. They called him and asked him how much money he had. He said he had around ten thousand dollars. So they said I stole twenty five hundred dollars from him. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, you right. know, yeah. as a comedian, I have like multiple jokes right through my head <laughs> right at that moment. Just the seven of them I had to delete right now. <laughs> oh, Man. Lord. Just that so, alone is comical. So. Of course, he's going to say, yeah, I had about, yeah, I had about 15, 12, 30, carried one. I had about 34,000 on me that day. Yeah, I remember that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And this is somebody that's been charged. I charged them that the, the, the seven years I'd been there, I charged them at least 12 times for the yeah, same. That's why he was mad. At, yeah. Yeah. I had about 15. <laughs> Lord. So and where did this happen at exactly? Where, where, where were you at the time? I can't get that. Oh, OK. It no, was I'm it was it was it was a state. Uh, well, it was a state agency. So we okay, we, okay. Okay. we um okay. we worked in a certain area. It was mid area. We did Greensboro, Winston area. So that's where we were. North Carolina, though. It's, yes, it was in North Carolina. You, yeah. yeah, that's well, that's that's where I was getting at. At the end of the day, I grew up in South Carolina partially. Okay. You know, I'm from South Carolina. And, right. you know, unfortunately, it's still one of them states, them, them states down there, man. There's still some good old boy states. And, oh. and, and uh, you know, I, I definitely went through and had my share of dealing with racism, um, you know, and, you know, so uh, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon in North Carolina. It's not uncommon in South Carolina. I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like this statistically black people are more. Now, I know that there's the reason. For, let me stop. The reason for this show is obviously to build and bridge the gap because there's a great divide between, right? you know, the black and brown community and, you know, law enforcement. And then sometimes people don't understand that black officers actually go through the same thing that, that you know, every other black citizen goes through. But I believe that black people in North Carolina are twice as likely to get killed by the police than whites. I say that to say, obviously, not all cops, obviously, because you're not one of those cops. Mm -hmm. But when the majority, when the majority of officers have that mentality and that that blue wall that goes beyond the blue wall, because it's not, you know, it's a, it's another wall first. Right. There's a brotherhood that exists among them, an old brotherhood, an old good old boy tradition and brotherhood that that that's the first that's their first wall. The, the blue wall is just a blanket. Well, I think there are less cops with that mentality than there are with that mentality. You get what I'm I, saying? Hope, I hope I hope so. Right. Right. And and the reason why I say that is because. Even though I went through what I went through, I had a lot more <clears throat> white officers that weren't working for that place that just had my back. Pam, I mean, they paid some of my bills. They made sure I was good with the home. They made sure my certificate would be good. They came up to the state when I had my hearing because I had to go through a hearing with the state to be able to still be a police officer after these charges. So, I mean, it's, it's I'm at the point now where, you know, it's hard for me to trust any cop let alone, you know, a white cop that every time, everything I've been through when it comes to my career has involved another white cop. Now I do, I do know that every department that I've worked with, every single department that I've worked with, hands down, I've been the only black officer except for this last one I'm the chief at. I got three other black officers. So if, if I were to get stabbed in the back, it would have to be a white cop. I'm, I'm very aware of that. And I'm very aware there are a lot of people out there that will stab me in the back because in my personal life, I've been stabbed in the back by brothers, you know, so I'm aware of that. But 
when it comes down to my personal experience being a police officer, the only ones that I've had problems with were white officers. So it does make me kind of have a, a second thought in the back of my head. I hope this doesn't happen again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, you said something very poignant and very interesting. You said, you know, you're at the point where it's like you don't know or you can't feel like you can't trust. You know, was was that from this particular situation that that was that something that was created from this situation? Yeah. When, when I when I when I talk about trust, I mean, as far as now on the streets. Yeah, I trust them. You know, I, I trust that they have my back. I trust that they're going to do what they need to do to, to get the job done. But when we get back to the office, I don't know if they're running back to somebody telling them I did something or lying on me or, or trying to make me look bad or something like that mm -hmm. just so they can get that promotion or get me fired or whatever you know that's what runs through my head are they trying to get rid of me why are they asking these questions what what what, what is the need for you to know all this stuff you know and and that's really what i'm i'm concerned about i'm not i'm not concerned i'm concerned about backup they I, i'm i i feel real confident that they will back me up on the streets um it's just it's just are they trying to get me fired at the end of the day you know that's what I'm concerned, about. especially with something that might still be your might, you know, you're still in the middle of, so to speak. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, right. right. It's, it's, it's I do have those, some PTSD from it, you know. Right. Right. I mean, listen, it's real. I mean, you don't yeah. know, you know, when, when, when somebody is falsely, when you're falsely accused, anyone who's falsely accused of something and you have to fight for your livelihood and, and for your actual freedom. It's yeah. You, you, you know, your perspective changes, you know, you well, don't see, know who's who around you. And see, the thing is that like, you know, I, I believe God prepares you for everything. The crazy thing about that is this is not the first, second or third time I've had a white officer lie on me. That's why I say what I say, because every department that I've worked for, I've had an officer lie on me about something and I've had to fight to prove them wrong. You know, the first time it happened, I didn't I wasn't I didn't have the experience of making sure I had everything written down or anything. So I got days off. I got suspended for it, mm -hmm. you know, but the second and third time. I had, a, I, I told myself I was going to start bringing a tape recorder with me and just wear it my whole shift. Yeah, I did mm. it for years. I did it for years. And the only thing that got me out of it, the, the second time it happened, I went to the officer and I said, hey, I know you're not telling the truth. You might want to think about what you're saying. And I let them hear the hearing, the recording. And they didn't, they didn't go through with it, you know. So, and then they, they left me alone because they knew what, you know, I had my, my ducks in a row. That, that is what, what has, you know, prepared me for this situation here is because I had all that stuff happen to me before. And I've always had in the back of my mind, you know, cover myself. CYA was one of the biggest things they taught in basic law enforcement training, cover your butt, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, I was prepared from all the other stuff that weren't big ideas. You know, at the time I thought they were big. I, you know, they devastated me, but this one right here, man, this, this is hard. And I, I just, I, I think, you know, God really prepared me for that situation. You, can, you can't teach discernment, <laughs> right. Right. you know, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing, man. That's that's it's it's one of those things where, you know, like you said, everything prepares you for the next thing and what you're about to go through you yes, know, sir. and recognizing it early. What do you, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on black folks, just regular black folks trusting the cops? Like, I mean, clearly. The reason that there's an issue and the reason for this program, you know, one of the reasons for this program is because those same things. I mean, I mean, look, like I said, people don't understand. Here you are, an actual officer out there trying to do good. You know, one one of us. And when I say one of us, I mean one of our own, you know, black officer. Right. But, you know, trying to make a difference. And you got them lying on you. On you. Yep. 
you know? Cop on cop crime. Stop it. Right, I know. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I tell uh I tell a lot of black folk, we get mad when white people generalize black folk. And it should be the same. You shouldn't generalize just because they're a police officer. At least get the at least get a vibe off them. Don't look at them and just say he, you know, he's he's this or he's that. At least get a vibe and go off of that. You know, and, and some and a lot of people, black people aren't even willing to just get a vibe. It's 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 and, and the thing is, once you start off on that path, there's no way you can get a, a good vibe because you're on the defensive, they're on the defensive, and there's no way you're going to have a good outcome with that. Right. Unfortunately, you know, that th- these are the same, you know, conditions that have been set in motion for black folks for genera- you know, years and years, you know? I mean, yes, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I, 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 I don't want to use the word I wish, but I do. I do in a sense that you know, things could be flipped on its head because, you know, I think people would feel and, and just look at things differently. You know, if they, they would had understand to where, we're, where, we're, where we're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. But it can't just be, you know, it can't just be a momentary thing. You know what I mean? Right. You know, sometimes, you know, it's the same. It's the same thing when it comes to jail and, and, and you know, the, the point of jail. Right. Or the point of being incarcerated is to, in rehabilitation. You know, mm-hmm. or what they're selling you on what the point is, right? Okay, right. So <laughs> let's just be clear. You know, not everyone needs five years to figure it out. Not everyone needs you know ten years to figure it out. But you know, this playing field has to be equal and leveled out somehow. And you know what? And I totally agree. Not everybody needs. I think the problem is is trying to figure out who does and who doesn't. And the thing is, sometimes twenty years ain't enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. Even though you do have some people in there that go in there for five years, and that might be way too much for that person, but that, but five years might not be enough. Also, yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I know guys that's gotten out of jail twenty years for doing something, and they're right back in jail because you know that's just you know prime example. A guy I grew up with, he went to jail for seven years for stealing cars. Within his first year of being out, he was stealing another car. Yeah, but do you do you think that that's because these jail systems? aren't set up to really rehabilitate someone. And, and, and sometimes people get institutionalized. I mean, I've known guys, I grew up right. with guys who was like, yo, it's getting cold. I need to go do something so I can find somewhere to sleep for the win. I'm going to go commit a crime because right. I'm more comfortable in jail with a whole bunch of people I know. You know what I mean? I think it's, that it's is a, an aspect. I really think that is a that is a big aspect of it, but some people just can't be in, institutionalized. And, and so within, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't think there is a a concrete way of finding out who can be or cannot be institutionalized because nobody can get in anybody's head. Nobody can find out exactly what that person is thinking. You're right. You know, so. You're right. But at that's you know it, so so in that same vein, what I was saying is maybe we need to take some of these white folks, flip it on his head, and you know let's 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 let them feel what that's like. You know, let's let's give them a taste of that. That's what that's what's needed. You know. I bet you they'll 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 feel they'll oh yeah if, if, if a white person had to go through what a black person has to go through just day to day I mean it's you know what really opened my eyes was this last department I worked for I worked for I worked in a small town about the same size as the one I'm in now but it was predominantly white all the officers were white I went out to I went out to lunch on my personal time with one of the officers and I had a do rag on and his response was. Why are you wearing that? That's gang. Uh, that's that's gang stuff. What, what, why would why would you wear that out in public? That's and I said no. It's no. It's not. It's for my waves. What are you talking about? And he said 
he has had no exposure to black people. And he said, everybody in his family that sees a black person wear a do-rag, they think they're in a gang. They see that as a bandana and they think it's, it's part of a gang affiliation or something like that. That's part of the problem. I mean, we like no, nobody knows culture. Nobody knows everybody else's culture. And then you go and take these same people and tell them to go patrol a neighborhood right. that they have no idea about. Thankfully, he's not patrolling a black neighborhood. But if he well, deals with a black person on the streets, it's going to be it, it could be a problem. Yeah. And that, but that's but that's what I'm saying. It's a problem all the way around, which has to, you know, like everything has to change from within. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a lot of changes that start from within, you know, to, you know, it's just like a lot of these big corporations, you know, even in my business, you know, half the people running it are clueless. Right. They don't have a clue. Right. You know, ears to the ground, nothing. Making decisions about culture, making decisions about, you know, how, how would someone black say this? Like I'm saying it. <laughs> right. right. Like I'm, I'm confused. Right. You called me in to consult about what? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that means and I get tell, the same you thing. You can't tell our story. You can't. And I get I get the same thing. People always say, why are you talking like you're white? I didn't know there was a white way to talk. Why? You know, yeah. In the South, that's what you get. If you talk proper, you oh, get I grew that. Up with it. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. I, I used to get it all the time. And then you develop a complex, though, if you were never taught differently or better or if you were never taught that. You know, as a young black man or black boy, that the way that you're speaking is not white Mm -hmm. and that's nothing to be ashamed of. But when you're other when everyone else around you don't speak that way or doesn't speak that way, they and then you have your own so-called peers teasing you as well. Right. Right. You develop a complex. Right. You feel some sort of way because then you think, oh, but, you know, luckily I came from a different type of foundation. Right. And I, you know. I mean, my mom, my mother always told me, you know, it was it was I did not talk wrong. It was just when we first came from Harrisburg, we had that accent. And, you know, so, uh, you if know, ac- it, if, <laughs> if, if accents made you stupid. Right. <laughs> then fucking James Bond. <laughs> right. Is like, so what? An accent is an accent. Yep. You know, yep. has nothing to do. I mean, sh- listen, now, now I, I have no excuses for the people who live in Baltimore. I, I don't know. How you get Doug and Dog confused? I don't know how you put a whole <laughs> syllable on D and T. I, I don't understand that. Like, I, that's where the curb stops. That's right. where the line is drawn. Right. Baltimore, you on your own. I don't understand what you're doing over there. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. You know. Oh man. And, and people, nobody in the South should ever have anything to say to anybody about an accent i know that's like it, I, that's what i was like what are you talking about man why do uh, you sound you, like that how about you put some syllables and put some actual letters you know right. when you say stuff right you just don't talk like that you're gonna talk like that yep that's, you that's mean it. that <laughs> like in, the, in, in the queen's english language it's d-h-a-d i didn't know what you're saying <laughs> right Anyway, so the journey and the marathon continues. Um, tell us about what you're doing now, brother. Uh, currently, I'm, I'm I'm chief of police at a, a police department. Thank let's, God. Hold on, pause. Let's get a round of applause for that. Let's get a round of applause. Thank round you. of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'm just trying to battle that. It's my first. I, I started in October. Uh, this is my first actual chiefing. I've been in. I've been in command before, but I, the actual chief, I've never been. So, how's it it's feel? It's a little. It's it's um. It feels good, um, but just dealing with 
you know, change and so many crybabies and they don't want to change and they don't want to do this or this is how we've always done it. You know, I get that almost every day. Well, this is how we've always done it. And, and I'm like, okay, well, you're doing it. We're doing it different. You know, doesn't mean um, that's right. Right. And and some of the things that they've always done could get somebody indicted. And, and that's what I'm trying to get them to understand. We don't want those problems. But so, if they're white, they don't, they don't, they'll never get it. They're like, arrested? What are you talking about? Right. I'm white. Yeah. I'm a cop. What do you mean? Some of them are like that. Some of them are I like privilege. that. I have mean, privilege. I have entitlement. What are you talking about? I can't understand you. And you can tell which ones, like just working with the guys that I, I mean, I can tell which ones are the ones that I'm kind of concerned about and the ones I'm not concerned about uh, as far as that goes. You know, like I said, I have three black officers and, 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 and the rest of them are white guys, uh, white, white officers, but it's, it's a good dynamic. It's a good dynamic when it comes to my department. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know that there, I had one officer that quit and I know the reason why he quit uh, because I came around and, um, and it was good. It was good that he did because we don't need that kind of, you know, I, I, I live in a black town that's ran by black people. There is no way that you would be able to have any kind of impact when it came to the community, mm. you know? So, uh, but I, I, do, I do like, I do like the, uh, I do like the job. It's, it's a lot of fun. A lot of work, but a lot of fun, too. You spoke earlier about being prepared and God preparing you. And so what do you think your mission is or your what do you think your um, purpose is? I have in the back of my mind that I will never let an officer mistreat or be mistreated. I don't want my guys going out there just treating anybody any kind of way, you know, and I don't want my officers to be mistreated by command either, you know, going through the things that I went through um, or, you know, going uh, officer going out here and just talking anyway, you know, I've had to, I've had to talk to a few of my officers about the way they talk to the community because uh, uh, that your mouth can get you into fights, but it can get you out of way more than, than into fights, you know? So my main thing is if you start off aggressive, you're probably going to have to end aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to get on a few of my officers with that because, you know, pr- being in a predominantly we're, we're 60 percent African-American, 60 percent black community. So we get a lot of pushback when it comes to law enforcement. We get a, mm-hmm. a lot of pushback. But yeah, you, you have, don't you have a lot of stuff that has to people have to overcome to, right. know, to rebuild that relationship. Right. But you don't answer it with pushback. You right. can't. You know, you kill them with kindness. As much kindness as you can give them. That's how you kill. That's how you kill that pushback. And it's it's one thing to be, you know, to get to that point, getting that person to get you to that point because they're not being cooperative. But it's another thing just to start off like that because you see that lady's face and she looks like she's mad. Yeah, she might be mad. You know, she might have just had a fight with her boyfriend or you never know what they went through, you know. So let's kill them with kindness first. And then if you have to take it to that point, then you do it. You know, it's interesting. I, I spoke with this, uh, had a conversation with a white gentleman um, recently, a doctor who is married to a black woman. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he had some interesting things to say. I didn't agree with everything he said, because I feel like sometimes when white people, you know, hang out with us or because they feel connected to us in some sort of way, it they feel entitled or it gives them some sort of authority to speak on what is. Right. And it's not. Um, but 
he did say something interesting with regards to his his um, you know white pers- from a white perspective. Um, he said most white people, and I wanted to ask you if you thought this was true. Basically, he said most white people, the way that they're raised and the things that they're taught, and just by just by having white privilege in general, he said most white people can't tell the reason that cops white officers get into trouble with black communities because they don't know the difference between passion oh. and actual rage or anger. Like, oh, yeah. They don't know the difference. Like, based on what you were just saying, they can't, because they don't have that. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have those same emotions. So you they know, don't recognize those emotions. So they don't know the difference when someone is just talking passionately or you know, angry versus rage versus actual, they can't tell the difference. Well, I mean, you you say that, and I literally just had a conversation with one of my officers yesterday. He told me I was very intimidating and that he doesn't understand why I'm always yelling. And I said, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yelling? I said, you haven't even heard yelling yet. I mean, right? there isn't a time I've been mad at work yet. Well, so I mean, be one of the ones you need to watch. I really it, it threw, and when you say that, it really hit home because I really was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. So yes, yeah. I, I, I truly mean, believe that. Yeah, and, and 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 you know, and 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 like I said, it was an interesting fact that he he said that, and I was like, "Wow," you know, it it hit home. Like you said, it's like you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you, unless you come from something or experience something yourself, you recognize it, and you, right. you recognize it for what it is, you know. And then you're able to deal with it accordingly. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, um, current events. What are your thoughts on this this uh, Buffalo situation? Man, it's, um, you know, I am a very big 2A advocate. Uh, Second Amendment, I think mm-hmm. everybody, it's, it's everybody's responsibility to protect themselves. You cannot mm-hmm. rely on the police to do it. That's not what the police is there for. We react more than act. You know, I mean, so... I feel like that is a situation to where people were just vulnerable. They were vulnerable and mm-hmm. somebody took advantage of it. That was not in the right mindset. That was very racist. And that's what happened. It's the narrative. It, it's like, here's a perfect opportunity, right? For everybody to come together. Once again, once again, here's the perfect opportunity for the left wing, the right wing, for, you know, white people. Let's start there everywhere to say let's stop acting like this shit doesn't exist let's stop trying right. to sweep it under the rug let's stop ignoring it let's stop don't go on tv and try to make excuses i mean right. how long do we have to keep seeing the same thing we literally saw the rodney king video and you said well the blows aren't actually touching him it's like are you fucking crazy right yeah are you insane like are you trying to tell me what i'm watching so White boy drives 200 miles, has a manifesto, literally has a machine gun with the, you know, the N word written on it uh, uh, and everything possible. And you're questioning like we really have to question like it's an insult. It's insulting. Well, which makes me go, are you doing this on purpose? Are you are you trying? Are you trying to, you know, what what's the goal here? What's the plan that you're literally trying to to even question whether or not this was racially motivated? Are they question? I, I haven't. I, I didn't. I haven't been able to. I've been working so much. I haven't been able to watch the news or anything. So don't watch Fox. Don't watch Fox News. I tell you that much. And 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 you know, I'm just saying. It's like 
It's like as opposed to people literally stepping up and calling it what it is, right? And literally taking responsibility and saying X, Y, and Z. You, you don't put it off on mental nothing. No, no, no don't, don't. No, it's not mental. Don't, it's, don't, don't say. Well, he wasn't in his right mind. Well, clearly, but it's motivated. Right. By, it's motivated by race. I mean, that's and so therefore, any time that you don't speak, any any time that you're going to make excuses and and not do anything. You know, like, you know, it's all about action because now all you're doing is continuing to give permission. You're giving racism permission. If you're not drafting bills, if you're not creating funds to actually to actually uh, combat this Mm -hmm. and call it what it is, you know, is this terrorism? Yes, this is domestic terrorism. terrorism. You understand what I'm saying? So until you are treating each one of these cases as such. And creating an actual law against it, then you're just giving it permission to continue. And and the thing about it is, even though he did he did have that rifle, he had a rifle and he had the words on it. There should not just like you said, there shouldn't be a question on if it was racially motivated or not. Oh yeah, yeah. Now yeah, and there shouldn't there really I, I really don't think there should be a question on why he did it. He did it because he wanted to kill black people. Yeah. But my point is for you to even argue that, for you to create that scenario right. or narrative, and for that to even be a but topic. You, as, you know as, where that you know, comes from, though. It's a lot of, it's a lot. See, the, the problem is the fact that he used a gun. And so many people are scared that the fact that he used a gun, now they're going to talk about gun reform and all this stuff. That's what they're scared of. That's why they're saying what they're saying. It all comes back to just the fact that you said it was a machine gun would set off somebody and say, oh, no, it wasn't a machine. That's not that's not that's not even the issue. If it was a machine gun or not. Right. Right. I don't even think I don't I mean, but but you will have somebody argue with that wasn't a machine gun. That was a semi-automatic rifle. So what? He killed 10 people. Yeah. It could have been a handgun. So what? It, it doesn't it matter. Right. It doesn't matter. The, re, the The thing we should be focusing on is the fact that. He went out there solely to kill black people under under the guys, not even guys, but based on, like you said, based on racism, yeah. based on. So any and any of these organizations that exist and any of these, you know, this is domestic terrorism. It is right. what it is. Right. And I don't I don't that's, know why there isn't anything against the domestic terrorism. You know, because that's that's what it is. It has nothing to do. And, and like I said, until we, you know, we got to hold our, 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 our politicians and our leaders and our lawmakers accountable. Right. You know, for, for not creating. I mean, you can give 10 billion dollars to the Ukraine. God bless the Ukraine. You can give uh, 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 you can create an Asian hate bill crime mm-hmm. in two seconds when it's like they what? I, I don't even don't get me started on that. Thank you. No, right. thank you, Kamala. Uh, yeah, and, it came, you know, and that come that comes from a, a a virus. You got people getting killed, and 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 it's not nothing's come. I mean, it it but make a good forget point. the fact that we as black people have been dealing with what it, what we keep dealing with mm-hmm. and continue to deal with. You know, you put George Floyd bill, you put that to the floor and it still ain't passed, but you can give an Asian, hey, it's, it's right. It's, it's it makes crazy. no sense. It makes it's, it's no crazy. sense. And I will tell you. And I'm just saying, so you guys are creating this, 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 uh, you're putting all the ingredients together for the biggest powder keg you possibly can have. What's your plan? What's the goal here? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And part of the problem, and a lot of people are going to understand this soon is 
you know, the old guard, this these this new generation ain't like the old generation. No, it's not. It's not, <laughs> not like the old generation. And they're gonna find out soon enough. <laughs> you know, that, that they're starting to find out now. I'm not I'm not my grandmama. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not so right. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's. I'm hoping I'm hoping the the George something more comes out of the George Floyd situation. I'm hoping something more comes out of. It. Cops need to be held accountable for a lot of things that they do. They do. I mean, it's it's not even the fact of, it's not even the fact of taking somebody's life. It's taking somebody's freedom. Just that alone, there's nothing to hold a cop accountable for that. And and that's mm-hmm. the main thing that really like even what I went through. Going mm-hmm. back to what I went through, I was charged mm-hmm. with two felonies they found out the man lied and did nothing to him he is still the chief why if he's doing it to me who is a cop what do you think he's going to do to somebody on the streets and he wouldn't think twice about it you know so i mean and at the end of the day they never even address or deal with where it's what the motivation behind all of this is right right where it's coming from what's the systemic and where's this thing stem from that's the issue that's where it all starts so right. are we forgetting how this whole thing started? Started. Forget, you know, like, yeah, like, great. Yeah, he lied. But why? And you know, and you know what? What's really going to, what's really crazy about it? I went to the EEOC about it and they did nothing. They found So what has to change? What has to change? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know there are, I will say this. And my lawyer who is, who is a black guy, my, my civil lawyer, he's black. He's all about civil rights and all that stuff. And he says the main problem with EEOC is they get so many fraudulent cases because people are just out to get a check. And I understand that. But when you have serious cases like this, I I mean, like, I feel like mine was serious. I know somebody else probably went through way more worse than what I went through. I understand that. But I feel like mine is serious enough to say, hey, we have a guy out here that did this to a fellow officer. Let's at least look into what he's doing to people on the street. Or let's do something to make him think twice about when he does this, tries to do this again or something. I mean, something like I'm going to say this to you. You know, I know that you're still in the middle of it, but, you know, maybe it starts with you picking up that torch. Oh, I am. I I, I am. I, I, I plan on I really want to get my story out there. Not only the fact that some people don't know what I went through, but a lot of young cops, black cops need to know you got to cover yourself from day one. You got to make sure you are working 10 times harder, doing a better job than than the next person is. Just because you're black. Well, uh, the, the title of your book, I'm just going to put it out there right now, is it's called See Ya. See Ya. See Ya. That's it. You know, I'm just going to give it to you for free. Okay. See ya. Appreciate that. That's it. Okay. Gotcha. My contribution. I sell a million it. copies. Hook me up. You know? That's it. Yes, sir. You are, y'all heard it. I can use the, t- the title. So you already heard it. Yeah. Oh, it's a contingent. Just oh, so see, now, see now, <laughs> strings attached to it. <laughs> oh man, what would you like your legacy to be? I'm hoping my legacy is one that says they can't just do it to us. They can't just get away with it. That that's what I really want my legacy. I don't. I, I mean, no, I get it. Right, I get it, brother. I get it. Because I, I, I mean, my legacy has changed as you, you know. But that's really what I wanted to come down to is when you hear my name, it is associated with they tried it, but they couldn't do it. Here lies John, not today, fuel.
Right. <laughs> Not today. Not today, <laughs> devil. <laughs> you gonna learn today, fuel. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yep. All right. All That's right. It. Last last question. Last question of the day. If you could, and and I say this in a uh, lighthearted way as well. Mm-hmm. You could go back in your past and arrest somebody. Who would it be and why? Is it the bully from school? Is it the girl who stood you up at prom? You know, so again, like I said, I say this in a way that is not necessarily so serious, or you can make it serious, but I don't have nobody that I would go back and arrest. That's good then. That's yeah, good. I mean, no, I can't think of anybody that I would go back and arrest other than the dude that robbed me when I was uh, 16. I'd go back. Well, there you go. I don't, I don't that's the one. Yeah, I know, I, but I mean, that's, that's the one then. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, him. He put two bullet holes in my car. Mother, boy, I'd go back and arrest Wow. Yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. You talking about your car. <laughs> <laughs> well, he ain't put the bullet holes in me, thank God, but. <laughs> ah, dang. I know you was like, he was probably at the time like, damn. Yeah. I was like, man, what, what did I do to you? Indeed. That's yeah. crazy. Took, took me, added insult to injury. Mm-hmm. Well, before we leave, man, tell the people where they can um, find you and, and, and you know, uh, give, a, give everybody out there some words of encouragement. All right. Well, I am on. I do have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Diesel TV. I do a lot of gun reviews. I have uh, some police ride-alongs where I've taken some cameras with me and during the job of uh, working, not as chief, but as a regular patrol officer. So you can find me on Diesel TV on YouTube, also Diesel TV on Instagram. Um, and a few words of encouragement, man. We have got to educate ourselves. Don't go off of what you hear. You get in some trouble. It is your freedom educate yourself by reading something and knowing what the law is because if you got a crooked lawyer they're all in it you know just just do it for yourself to make sure what you're going through is legal and you're well prepared that's all well ladies and gentlemen you heard it here first he said don't rely solely on somebody else do the work yourself as the good book says faith without works is dead so make sure that you put in the work as well. It's great to have faith in the justice system and in the uh, court system. But at the same time, you got to do your own due diligence. You got to keep your own paperwork. You got to keep your own receipts so that all the ingredients add up to a nice yes, big sir. cake. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you once again, John, for joining us today on the Black Arm of the Law, man. It's been real. I really appreciate you, man. It's yes, sir. Thanks for having me. It's a good conversation. And um, I look forward to you being victorious in the words of Biggie. That's right. You know, I'm looking forward to you being victorious. <laughs> right. Uh, in your in your journey that you are continuing on, man. And thank you for, for doing the work that you've done. Continue fighting the good fight. You know, I hope there I know there are, but it's always good to know that there are people like you out there. I appreciate it. Trying to make a difference that are that are doing it for all the right reasons. And, you know, to all the listeners out there who don't know, you know, here's a man who is fighting for you. He's not only fighting for himself, but he's fighting for the future yous out there so that you don't have to go through the same thing that he's going through. So remember that. Thank you. Thank you. Black Arm of the Law is hosted by Carl Payne, produced by Ken Johnson, Bart Phillips, and Carl Payne. 
Consulting producers, FBI Special Agent Retired Don Taylor and FBI Special Agent Retired George Graves. Edited by Rick Chill. Theme music by Jeff Red, courtesy of Soul Real Records. Executive producers, Ken Johnson and Bart Phillips. Find Black Arm of the Law on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Arm of the Law is a mean old lion media production.